Well, we're headed somewhere new right now, and we've spent um, the last four or five weeks talking about parables and God's practical teaching, the way that Jesus taught while he was here on earth, and now we're going to move to something a little different for the rest of the summer. Does anybody know what this is? Did you have one of these when you were a kid? You still have one of these? Okay. This is called a Viewmaster, right? And you put this little thing in there, little disc. This actually is uh, what YouTube used to be, kiddos. Um, a little different. Uh, the only thing better was like when you're in school and, or when a missionary came and it had the slides on the reel and you got to be the one that clicked the thing and it went down in and back. Uh, anyway, that's just a, that was my childhood. Um, and so you put this little reel in here and you can look through it. You pull a little lever, and this one is endangered animals, so there's uh, all kinds of fun things in there. But this is called a Viewmaster, and uh, maybe you had one of these, maybe you still enjoy this uh, kind of thing. Uh, And for a while now, we're going to spend some time looking at what it means to live in view of God's mercy. And so there's views everywhere, right? There's, There's different meanings to that word. It's been adopted by different things. Uh, for example, uh, on YouTube, you can go and see uh, down in the lower corner how many times that particular video has been viewed, right? Uh, this service right here is being live streamed on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And so um, later on today, I could go and I could check about how many views this service had or any of the services that we have. And um, just kind of check, maybe it's uh, somebody just checked in for a few seconds, somebody stayed for a while, uh, but we get to see that. Then there's, there's more views that we get to see as well. Um, you know, when we're headed towards the west, we're driving towards the west in the evening, what do we say? Man, that's a great view, right? God is good. That's a great view. When we're up in the mountains and we're sitting in a cabin by the fire looking out over the mountains, what do we say? Oh, that's a great view. I could get used to that view, right? Um, or we're, uh, maybe we're sitting out um, in the ocean, on the ocean, on the beach, and we look across um, where you can't see anything but water, and we say, wow, that's a great view. Or maybe you're sitting on top of a mountain headed west, looking out over the ocean, and you say, what a great view, right? You can put them all together. But we have all kinds of views that we share, too, our opinions, right? We call that our view. And uh, this particular set of beliefs or practices that we have, and we characterize those as what we say our view. And everyone experiences different views, don't we? Right? Some like a particular view, others do not. Um, Some share the same views, and it creates this bond, relationship that we share with others because of that. And we tend to grow, we tend normally to gravitate towards the people that share the same views that we do, right? Um, Individually and collectively, honestly. And so um, something comes up and we pull the lever, right? Pull that lever and it shows up in our view master. And here comes another thing, okay? What about, what's your view on the royals? Well, we'll just clip, we'll just skip right over that, okay? Um, What's your view on the Chiefs, right? And then we move over and then pull the lever. Gas prices. 
Yuck, right? But we all have views on that. We pull the lever. Other drivers, when they're driving around you, we all have our views on that, don't we? And we pull the trigger, right? On politics, on church, and we just keep going. Our view on God and how he loves us or how we serve them or what's best for us to do. And then we pull the lever one more time. And in the view is God's mercy. And that's where we're going today. We're going to be in, in Romans chapter 12. Anybody want to look at this? No, I'm just kidding. Maybe later. But uh, we see God's view of, of in, in his mercy. And the picture of who we are because of that mercy. The picture of what it looks like to behave, to interact, to engage in life through the lens of God's mercy. Which is what? God not giving us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. So as we go through this, this next however many weeks, it's a lot, through the end of the summer, that's what we're going to explore, why we're here. Um, and that's what Romans chapter 12 is all about. So if you want to find Romans chapter 12 in your Bibles, you can. It's uh, on page 1176 in my Bible. Um, and we're going to be there for a long time. So um, this is a snapshot of what it looks like for Jesus followers in this world and, uh, and what it looks like to live as a Christian uh, and not receive what we deserve, which is death, right? The wages of sin is death. And we live out our personal responsibility to God, and, um, and that's how we impact the world for his kingdom. We're going to read here in just a minute, but uh, uh, how about just a little bit of background, some who, what's, where's, when's about the book of Romans itself. So the book of Romans was written by, does anybody know who? Paul, the Apostle Paul, good guy, great name. Um, and he writes, this, he writes this letter. It's really just a letter. It's not a book. It's a letter, and that's how most of the New Testament unfolds, right? It's just a guy that God is speaking through, writing letters of encouragement to these different churches. And if, if Paul was alive today, writing, and he planted this church, he would, our, our book of the Bible would be called Emporians, right? Because that's the way it worked. So this book is written by Paul, and it was written in about 57 A.D., and uh, so that's 24, 25 years or so after Jesus has ascended into heaven. So there's some time between the crucifixion and the resurrection and Jesus ascending into heaven. So he's been gone for about 24 or 25 years. But he writes this book or this letter to the Christians in Rome, right? Duh, it's called Romans. Um, and the church of Rome, it was born out of the day of Pentecost. And we just celebrated that a couple weeks ago, right? The day when the Holy Spirit come, came to earth uh, with a mighty rushing wind and, and Peter preached uh, and 3,000 people came to Christ in one time and, and their number was added to every single day. And some of those people brought the gospel back to Rome. Now, that's a track, like 2,500 miles. 2,500 miles for us is a plane ride. Right? Or an all-day trip. In, in those days, it was a year-long journey, probably, if not more. And so um, they, the, they, the gospel was brought back to Rome. And so Paul, he hasn't even been to Rome yet. At the time he writes this, he hasn't even been there. Now, he would be there. 
in just about six or seven years from now, uh, when he writes this, he would be in Rome, and ultimately that's where he would meet his end. Um, But the purpose for him writing this letter is to give the Roman church, the Christians in Rome, uh, the opportunity to construct this foundation of their faith and what it looks like and how to live and serve God effectively where they are in Rome. Now, understand this. Being a Christian in Rome in 57 AD was horrifying, not recommended, because three years earlier, this guy named Nero, has anybody heard of Emperor Nero? Yeah, he was a horrible person. And he really, really did not like Christians. He loved himself a whole lot. And because people chose to serve God and not him, he chose to make an example out of them. Just terrible things. He would dip them in oil, wrap them up, and light Christians on fire to use as candles. He, w- he was the one who instigated the, um, the beginning of putting Christians uh, in the in the in, um, with gladiators and, th- and killing Christians for sport. He was a terrible person. So being a Christian in Rome in 57 AD was not recommended, really. It was hard. And so Paul's writing this letter of encouragement to them. And he sends this letter uh, as they face incredible opposition. In Romans chapter 12 specifically, and this is where we're going to settle in for a while now, it, it, it kind of is a capsule of how Jesus' followers live their lives on display for the world and on display for God. It's the sum, it, it's this, it's the sum of the equation of the Christian life, right? It's sacrifice, that giving of everything of ourselves to God. So, Let's read it. We're going to read the whole thing today. I probably won't read the whole thing every week, but uh, um, let's do this uh, today. We'll start. It's only 21 verses, so it shouldn't take me too long. I don't read so good, so maybe 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view, there's our, our title here, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to you, to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather... Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. It is teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. 
Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not pay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the word of the Lord today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time that we have to share. And as we unpack your word, we just ask that you will give us something that we can take with us this week, that we can apply to our lives and and continue to grow closer to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So 21 verses. It's really full, right? There's a lot in there. And even if you're not terribly familiar with Scripture, you probably heard some, some words in there that you've even seen on uh, inspirational posters or on grandma's crochet pillows, things like that. There's a lot of great nuggets in this. And we, in this time between now and, and August 1st, we're going to try and hit as much as we can, but we're probably not going to hit all the different points. Maybe not the ones that you um, might pick up as well. So what I encourage you to do is read this. Read this chapter every day. It's only 21 verses, and you saw it only took me uh, four minutes to do. Um, and so it doesn't take long. And, and then let the Holy Spirit move in your heart, because this is God's Word. It's, it was spoken through Paul. He wrote it down. But this is, was in, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives. And then pray about what you're reading. These spiritual disciplines of Scripture and prayer are, are things that can ignite our faith and change our lives and the way that we live. And then always remember this caveat here, that we need to read this because this is in view of God's mercy. The picture that God sees because he did not give us what we deserve. So, Romans chapter 12, it reminds us of a life of following Jesus. It's, it's not designed only to inform our judgments and insights. Okay, But that's a big part of, of living the Christian life. It's not designed just to inform our habits, our opinions, our judgments, but it's there to reform our hearts and, <clears throat> and to change our lives completely. That's why Paul wrote it down for, for uh, all of us to see. So as we jump into the beginning of this chapter, um, we're just going to talk about the first two verses today. 
And uh, most likely, we'll just kind of take a couple verses each week and unpack to see what God has to say about it. So, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, and uh, maybe you uh, read a different, I learned it in a different translation, therefore, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, right? We don't say beseech very often anymore, um, or even know what it means, probably didn't know what it means when I memorized it, right? But maybe your, ver- maybe your version says, dear friends, therefore, I urge you, dear friends. No matter, no matter how it starts, it's meant for everyone, right? Uh, brothers and sisters, it's meant for moms and dads, tall people, short people, red, yellow, black, and white, you name it. It's for y'all, okay? It's there for all y'all, that's right. And so um, because he's writing to the Roman church, uh, it, it's really meant for us as well. So this is an all, it's a y'all group. And it's for, in view of God's mercy. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Paul's painting this picture. God has given us this mercy. And that's why the Christian life is even possible. That's what he's telling us. Paul's saying, here's the picture of what life of following Jesus requires (coughs) and calls for. All with this caveat of knowing that unless God chose to have mercy on sinners... The picture would be blank, right? We'd pull this lever on God's viewmaster, and if he chose not to give us mercy, it would be blank, everything. It would be like not having the little reel in there, okay? And so um, mercy is what allows us the opportunity to walk through this life as a Jesus follower. And because of God's mercy, because God looks at us and craves that relationship with us, and his creation, he chooses the opposite of what we deserve. Our best interests are at his heart. And uh, he chooses us first. He chose us first. And, and Paul says, hey, y'all, God's provided this way for us. So what should you do? What, what is it that you should do? And then so he, t- he spends the next 20 and a half verses telling us, giving us this measuring stick of how a Christian should live in this world and keeping in mind two things. One, we're sending us to Rome where they're getting persecuted and killed every day and that this is in view of God's mercy, that we're getting something that we don't deserve. So there's a couple parts. God does his part, right? He gives us mercy, he, he extends that to us. And then there's a part that we do, right? We, our part in this is to offer. Our part is to offer. And we give an offering every week. We offer our worship. We offer our prayers. But our job in this, in, in this equation is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, that living part's important. Because that's a departure from the old way of life. The old way uh, of, uh, the, that the Israelites followed in this Hebrew uh, religion, that it's, it's a departure of fulfilling the law. See, the old way was <clears throat> a person would bring a sacrifice, an animal, uh, and there was, there was stipulations on who and what, to, what they could bring and things like that. And what did they do? They handed over to the priest, the high priest. And the high priest kills the animal puts it on the altar, and burns it. And that's this, this, this act of physically sacrificing the animal is done 
by the high priest, not the actual person who's offering the sacrifice. And then God would accept that offering uh, uh, from the bearer. The priest, it was just the go-between, right? And, uh, but after Jesus came and lived his life, he, uh, he was crucified, he died, he rose from the dead, and there was no longer a need for that sacrifice anymore. Jesus took that away. He ushered that out because he was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. There was not a need for a constant offering of an animal anymore and a go-between like the priest to fulfill the sacrifice and go through all the little hoops that they jumped through in order to have this right relationship with God. It was something that God set up until it was time, right? Until Jesus' time was right to be that sacrifice. And so he took, Jesus takes care of all that, and now there's a new way. And the new way is that we are the temple, and the priest, and the sacrifice, right? We offer, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And, and it's important because um, no more death is needed after the sacrifice of Jesus. Our part is to offer our bodies this gift of God, which God, he created, right? In his image, as a living sacrifice, which means that we're to live like God resides in us. And what's the result, right? That we, that we offer, in view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And this is our best, it's our most bestest, right? If that's English, okay? It's our truest, our purest form of worship. And that's what today is. Today is a worship gathering. And all that we do is an, is an expression of what we value the most, right? It's an outpouring of what we consider the most valuable. And we see that as God, right? But there's all kinds of forms of worship, right? There's prayer, right? And serving. We're going to go serve on mission trip. That's a form of worship. There's giving. There's, um, there's reading scripture. We did that today as well. Uh, communion and baptism, sacraments. Uh, um, there's music. I mean, it, let's be honest. If you hear the word worship, what do you automatically coincide with that? Music, right? It's worship music, but it's the same thing. And uh, there's teaching, meditation. There's liturgical there's liturgical scripture, like this form, that's more um, like our brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church. They're more liturgical. It's tradition. It's the same. It's repetitive. There's some back and forth, but it's, um, there's a lot of um, very, it's already planned out for the year type of thing. And then non-liturgical, that's what we're kind of like, right? We're, we do a lot of the same things, but not necessarily in the same order. We throw some, we do put some of the responsive readings in there. We we do things a little different, but we're non-liturgical. And uh, that this purest and holiest form of worship, we can do all of that, but it's, it's all wrapped up into us offering our lives as a living sacrifice in service to be used by God. That's what's pleasing to Him. And that's verse 1. We're almost there. So what's the result? Okay. What's the result of offering ourselves as a living sacrifice? And having known, first of all, that we're doing this all in view of God's mercy, that we are, we are here simply because God's not giving us what we deserve. Not 
And so the result is not living like the world lives. That Paul writes, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And that's a hard one, right? Do not conform to the patterns of this world. The result of offering your bodies as a living sacrifice is not doing what the world does. It's not living the way the world does. It's not shaping our lives around the way that the world does. This pattern that we can get into of, uh, of, um, of ourselves being the most important. The things that the world designs in order to, to amplify itself. We don't want to wrap ourselves around that. Because the re- that's, that's just the result of, um, uh, of our, our offering. It's not the recipe that, that we put into. Living, giving our lives as a living sacrifice means that we don't do what the world does. And Paul tells us, hey, give your lives to God. And when you do that, God will fill you so full. He'll fill you so full that when you do that, we just live for God, what, is God, what God is in our lives, what he's about. And, and so a lot of times when we're struggling, there's a hole in our heart. There's a fraction in our relationship. We try and fill that void with something, another person, another substance, another um, job, another situation that may or may not be harmful. It may or may not be fruitful, but that's what the world does. It, it, if it's hard, we quit and we go do something else, right? If it's hard, we, um, we kind of make an excuse and we get around it and we try and make it good enough for us. But we want to, we want to be filled with so much of what God has for us that there's no space left in our heart for that stuff. And then when those bad things happen, there's still enough God in that space to fill it all the way up. Does that make sense? So um, we, when we do what, what we're supposed to, when we don't conform to the pattern of this world, God will influence every part of our life. And we don't have to worry about the patterns of this world. And when we do that, we live for what God is all about, not what the world is about. What Paul does not say here is um, just stop doing what the world does uh, and then offer yourself as a living sacrifice. It's the other way around. It's going to be that way. Now, sometimes it's the same, okay? But the idea is that we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Then we don't conform anymore to what the world does. Now, we can try like crazy to not conform to what the world is doing and live like Jesus, but Without his help, without the Holy Spirit in our back, it's a little harder. We don't, we, and it becomes more about us, right? It's important there's a difference. Because if you're a Jesus follower, there should be a difference from the world, right? The, the things that you do, the actions, the people, the, the things that people witness, there should be a distinct line between what the world looks like and what a Christ-like life looks like. Because the world's evil, it's full of sin. And if we live that way, that's what people are going to see. So, so Paul is saying, you, you are God's. You belong to him. So act like you belong to God. Don't do all the things the world does just because that's what the world's doing. Because a lot of times that's the way it works. 
The world promotes selfish living. It, it demonstrates life opposite of the character of God. The world does not offer itself as a living sacrifice, as a form of perfect worship to God, because the world wants to worship itself, right? And so there's a reward if we don't pattern ourselves. The reward is this, and it's also the process that we're transformed. That's what we want to be. That's what the little video was about, that we're transformed, that we change our mindset, not from the world, but from what God wants. And, and we do it differently than what the world would do. And we make a change. That's the offer. That's the part that we have control over. And so what happens if we do that? What happens when we offer our, our bodies as a living sacrifice? When we are transformed by the renewing of our mind? That we reset our heart and our mind to do the things that God wants us to do. To live the life that God wants us to live. Well... We're able to watch God approve the amaz how amazing he is, right? It says here, then, um, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we test the faithfulness of God, and he proves himself. Amen? This week, probably, in a lot of your lives. That's what happens when we test the faithfulness of God. He comes through. When you test the faithfulness of people, what happens? Sometimes you fall flat on your face, don't you? They fail you. I will fail you at some point in our relationship as a pastor to you. I'll fail you. Why? I'm a person just like everyone else. I'm not perfect. And that's, that's hard for us to understand that uh, we, we don't always get it right. But we can always lean on the perfect one who does get it right. When we live our lives <coughs> as a living sacrifice, we find God's will for our lives. And who doesn't want to find God's will for their life, right? Raise your hand if you want to find God's will for your life. Absolutely. And that's a daily thing, right? There's some long-term things and decisions that you might make in preparation for down the road. But every day, finding God's will for your life and living your life as a, 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 and giving, offering yourself as a living sacrifice, it's all about making that decision day by day to live for him. And, and so this is all done in view of God's mercy. Can you imagine how patient God is with us? Think about it, right? The things that we do to ourselves, the things that we do to each other, the things that Christians do to each other, the things that Christians do to non-Christians, the things that non-Christians do to non-Christians. Do you understand how patient God is with us? The words that we say that we can't take back, the way that we treat each other, the way that we judge each other, the list just goes on and on, right? But in view of God's mercy, we have the opportunity to follow him. We have this opportunity to draw close to God, right? To pull that lever on the Viewmaster, okay? We pull it, and instead of it being blank, with no opportunity to, to have a relationship with God in eternity in heaven, we pull that lever, and we have the view of God's mercy. And it's a life with God not giving us what we deserve. 
right? So as we chew on this this week, and as you read this chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12 this week, here's a, I'm, I'm going to leave you with three questions that uh, maybe can help, maybe, maybe not. You can just take them for what they're worth. What does it look like for me to offer my life to God as a living sacrifice? What does that look like for me as an individual? Because it's going to look different for all of us, right? Because when I was 18 years old, it looked different than it does at 46 years old. Um, I have, uh, I'm married and I have two kids. My decision-making process was way different back then, right? It's going to happen. Um, we have different responsibilities in our jobs, in our lives, in our families. So what does it look like for you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God? That's the first one. The second one is, how am I conforming to the pattern of this world that needs to be transformed? What are the things that I'm involved in that I need to have a little transformation on? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's uh, um, a different job because that, the one you're in is toxic. Maybe it's substances. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's just sleeping more. Who knows? Because you're staying up playing video games or whatever. There's lots of stuff. There's things that we need to be transformed from. So how am I conforming? What am I doing in the world that I need to get, get rid of and transform out of? And then the third one is, how's God already been tested and approved in your life and has shown you his will? This is your opportunity to, to, to cheer on God a little bit, right? You look back on the things that he's done in your life. He's, he's been tested and approved, and you've seen his will. A lot of times we have to look back to see, oh, that's what God was trying to tell me, right? Because we miss it in the, in the moment a lot of times. But we look back and we say, oh, yeah, I tested that. God came through. I didn't go the same path that he wanted me to, but here I am. So how has God already tested and approved in your life? And has shown you his will. So the, the mercy of God, this, this idea of God giving, not giving us what we do deserve. We need mercy because we're sinners. We're born that way. And sin separates us from God. It, it, it eliminates our opportunity to be with God in heaven forever in eternity. But his mercy allows us the opportunity to have that relationship with him. And that's done through uh, his, sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us and rising again on the third day. Because we don't get, the wages of sin is death. That's what we get. That's justice, right? We've talked about justice, grace, and mercy. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. That's justice. But in view of God's mercy, sinners like me and y'all, that we don't get justice, we get mercy. We understand that mercy is out of our control. Has anybody, have you ever tried to tell somebody to give you mercy? Okay, they have to offer that, right? It has to be extended to you. It's out of our hands. I thank God for his mercy in my life. I look forward to walking through this chapter of Romans 12 with you all this summer, and uh, it should be good, and I hope that it does um, great things in our hearts in the life of our church. And uh, 
Um, I hope that you have the opportunity to take some time to read it every day or every other day, whatever's best, and allow God to work in your life as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we're so thankful for your mercy that you've given us the opportunity to um, approach your throne because you don't give us what we deserve. The wages of our sin is, is death in eternity. But because of your son, Jesus, we have the opportunity to approach your throne because you provided a way for us to come to you. And Lord, as we go out this week, we just ask that you'll help us to do a few things, that you'll help us to, to understand more and more every day what offering ourselves as a living sacrifice looks like, how you can use that in our lives and how it makes us closer to you. And Lord, help us to see that the patterns of this world that we are wrapping our hearts around and teach us to be transformed from those things that we loosen our grip, that we live our lives with our hands wide open instead of gripping so hard to what the world has that we don't see the view of your mercy. And Lord, we know that if we do this, you will come through time and time again. We will see your good and pleasing, perfect will in our lives. And that's what we want. That's what we're striving for. Lord, help us to do this. This week, as we go about our, our jobs and our, uh, our lives and our families, that we just understand more and more who you are in our lives. We love you. Thank you so much for our fathers. Thank you, God, that uh, we have the ability to um, have an earthly father. But, Lord, we know that uh, we serve an incredible heavenly father who loves us so, so much. Help us have a great week. Send us this day in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Remember to pray for our mission trip uh, kiddos this week, and we will see you next time. God bless. Have a great day.